You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Yeah, I'm really proud. You know, it's um, it's a huge effort from everyone involved to, to put this event on. But you're really proud to just be a part of an event to, to entertain people at home for us on a Sunday afternoon, but also to raise money for, for people who really need it. Obviously, DJ and I plan for the American Nurses Foundation. Ricky and Matt plan for the CDC Foundation. So, you know, hopefully we've raised a lot of money for both, you know, two really good causes. And, uh, you know, hopefully everyone at home enjoyed it. Hey, I think that was pretty cool. Rory McIlroy and a little showcase of Seminole Golf Club down there in South Florida. Uh, some live TV skins game. You know, I like the old skins game format. That's an old thing. That goes way back now. And it's pretty cool to see stars. Really interesting if you – I don't know very much about Matthew Wolf and his style of play, which is really – did you even see one second of it? No. If you saw this guy take a shot, you'd be like, what is that? Like okay. your first reaction is like – what is that? Is that it's crazy, got, huh? It's got like a timing mechanism. Okay. I'm, that he kind of starts his swing and then and then gets back in position. It's really, but I'm really not, strange. But he's a I'm very gonna good player. Quick here, let's check this out. Like Oklahoma State guy won it's won more uh, tournaments okay. than anybody else at Oklahoma State. Did you see it? It's pretty odd, right? He looks like yeah. I gotta see it. Hang on, one more time. It's very It'll, twitchy. But like when he gets up to, the, it, looks, it looks like Ichiro, like hitting a baseball. You know, like how he has it up here, and then he holds it, and then he yeah. comes back down. He's got an awkward swing, but that's it's crazy. the motion before the swing that's yeah. kind of like, what is? This? But that's I'll, different. It's I'll be unique. honest though, that kind of gives me hope a little bit. But yeah. you know what? <laughs> you know what, Brett? What are you doing tomorrow? Yeah, let's get on the course, I'm man. Actually let's playing go. at eight fifty. Thanks for being here. I'm all set. I, I think. He was fun because he's a new personality, and you kind of learn about a guy like that. And then you had Rory McIlroy, DJ, and Ricky Fowler, and it, it's a good setting. It was good. Uh, yeah. Again, I look at the ratings locally, and people like golf around here. Mm-hmm. NASCAR kicked its butt yesterday. Sure. I mean, it didn't do much in the ratings, so people weren't all – it was a little, It was pretty slow moving. You only have four guys. It's not like it's a Tiger event. didn't feel like a real event. Yeah. But it was good, and it was for a good cause, five and a half million bucks raised uh, for COVID-19 and, and um, different foundations. So – all in all, it was a pretty good weekend to have some options. Like, you had an option. You yep. you could flip back and forth between NASCAR and golf. Uh, I'm not saying for most people that would be the best option, mm-hmm. but at least you had an option. Did you see how the UFC numbers did or not? Uh, that's a good call. It's hard for me to... No, that's fine. I mean, if it's bad, don't tell me that. No, it's <laughs> that's hard the one, for me that's to see talk it. About it's, it. Well, it's hard because of the, the, um, uh, the ESPN Plus. Yeah, okay, I got so you. So I don't get that. But, but I'll say this, though. So... It hasn't been official, but there's a lot of uh, MMA sources now reporting that UFC 249 did over 700,000 pay-per-view I buys. I saw 700,000. Which is a home run, um, all things considered. So I nicely think, done. I think UFC gained a bunch in the last week and a half. Yeah. I think it's too early to know that, but I think this is me casual. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's in Jacksonville. Let's cover it. Hey, Austin fights. Let's, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know way more about it, but I think... When I could follow UFC on Twitter, even if I wasn't watching, every match had like a bloody mess 
You're not lying. To it. Yeah. Uh, it sounded like they were mostly good matches. Mm-hmm. I, I think there was some great entertainment value for that, and curiosity peaked by that. Yeah. And so I really think the three days here in Jacksonville were a big win for UFC. I think it's a little early to tell that, and I understand what you said about that 249 card mm-hmm. and to have those many pay-per-view views already a win. A, yeah, I'm just saying that, that was a home run from the pay-per-view buys. But home I run. wonder, like, the beautiful thing, I said this on TV last night, too, is NASCAR, uh, I'd say a little less in the golf round, but let's just say NASCAR and UFC, mm-hmm. who in the last week have gone back mm-hmm. fully uh, and competed, those are two sports that could use some eyeballs. One is has lost a lot of eyeballs in NASCAR. Uh, in the last decade and another one is trying to grow and and has already done a great job it's not like they have to have them to survive but you can still reach another level of course so usc i think is doing that how big that will be i don't know but i guarantee you they found new fans of the sport in the last eight days and it begs the question you know because this is the biggest question if you're uh if you're a resident in jacksonville you know if if you're worried about the growth of jacksonville the question is when do they come back and what do they bring to the table? Yeah. Okay. Now next fight's gonna be in Vegas. They said. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, it, listen, it, it could be a while. Um, let's not get it twisted here. But I think overall, those three fights, Brent, uh, the the quality of fights that you saw, right? Uh, some were bloody. Um, so they're very skilled fights overall. I mean, there wasn't really any boring ones, uh, any sleepers. So overall, for th- which is super rare on three cards. I would think so. Exactly. So all three cards, I feel like delivered. Even if they weren't household names, people were still entertained. And I think Dana White wrapped it up. Uh, I believe it was yesterday. He kind of made a video thanking the city of Jacksonville. He, he kind of gave some shout outs to a couple local businesses here. Didn't shout us out. It is what it is, though. It's fine. Um, um, but I think all things considered now, we'll, we'll see what happens, but it went off for the most part, set aside from Jock Ray Sosa getting COVID-19, it went out without a hitch. So I think Dana White's happy with it. Obviously ESPN's happy with the numbers, and I think the UFC overall is happy with it. So I just hope now that means, you know, in the next couple months, maybe even a year's time, you're talking about a really big fight card happening here in Jacksonville, Florida, which is obviously good for business and good for growth. Absolutely, yeah. I think it will be a... But again, I think they gained a lot. Uh, it's very, it's just a feeling. Yeah. Uh, and some of those numbers from last Saturday showcase that. Now, will they watch the next time? Right? Will they find a new favorite fighter? Yeah. And by the way, didn't have the Conor McGregor's of the world. And exactly. So I mean, if you know, once you get to that stage too, add that in. That's a nice little thing to add to the mix. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the huge names that are in the sport. Uh, I I want to clarify something. Speaking of that tough guy mentality, like you and football and MMA and me. Uh, getting a golf injury last week, but <laughs> same stratosphere. You're good. Well, I told you I had like tendonitis. Mike Ryan, yeah, uh, former Jags, uh, money Mike man trainer. Yep, and you know guy who runs like marathons and triathlons, Iron and man, does all I mean, this crazy stuff. Yeah, good man, good man. <sighs> Great uh, man. He's got a place out at Jack's Beach, you know, Mike Ryan Fitness. And mm-hmm. so he, we did this FaceTime call. Mm-hmm. I think it was Thursday morning. I want to say. Yep. Uh, after he reached out to you, he was listening to the show because making he heard, funny a little bit. He was which, making fun of you me. Know what? Call, he you, called me soft. You're asking for some sympathy. Yeah. Okay. It was warranted. But so we did this FaceTime. He is so good at oh. the face. I think a lot of doctors have been doing this, right? If yeah. they have to treat something or help with something like this, you mm-hmm. don't come in because of COVID-19. Well, he was fantastic in this. Mm-hmm. He, he really did a good job and helped me through it and, and basically diagnosed me with tendonitis yeah. in the ankle area. Mm-hmm. And gave me a few tips to stay off it and do this or that, stable shoes. Here I am, 
I'm and you're back better than ever. So, like, it was only an injury, it felt like, for about 48, 72 hours. Does that count as an injury? <clears throat> um, I think it's more of just a nuisance than it is an injury, if we're being honest here. Yeah. Um, yeah, because if you think of an injury, so listen, either either you're hurt or you're injured, as a football coach would say. If yeah. you're injured, you go sit out, you go see Mike Ryan. If you're oh, hurt, just hurt, suck it up. Yeah, you're just hurt a little bit. Yeah. I don't know if you're really hurt. hurt. Um, but yeah, you were... It was uh, it was an inconvenience. Let's just say it was. I was. It's really a crazy thing. Like it came out of nowhere. Yeah. I said uh, last Tuesday on like the thirteenth hole, mm-hmm. and by really Friday, yeah, it was like gone. I, I wasn't completely sure it was gone, but yeah. now I can tell you it was gone. It was yeah. weird. Well, listen, and I'm not going to put any healthcare official underneath the bus at all. I mean, I think athletic trainers, uh, you know, they, in my opinion, they they do the God's work, right? Because without them, football players can't get back on the field. But you want to talk about, you know. And if he was on man, he'd be a 99 overall in terms of athletic training. Mike Ryan, Mike Ryan's that dude, right? Because if you have a Liz Frank injury, if you have a shoulder injury and you're trying to rehab, who do you want to rehab with? You want to rehab with the, oh, I'm sorry, the Ironman athlete, the guy that runs over 100 miles in the desert and then goes on a bike and then runs some more because, hey, I'm a psycho? Or do you want to get with a guy who goes golfing on the weekends? It's like, yeah, that shoulder, uh, yeah, just, you know, pick some ibuprofen and be fine. Like, to me, it helps so much when you have, you know, athletes um, who are probably even more athletic than half the football players in that team help you out because they've been there, that they know what you're going through. And, like, Mike Ryan's one of those dudes. So yeah, props absolutely. to him, man. Yeah, props to him in a big yeah. way. I appreciate the help. And uh, he healed me. Yeah, there you go, there go. man. I yep. give all the credit to him. Uh, <laughs> hey, Michael Jordan actually came back on two occasions. The last dance is all about the Bulls' final season. Correct. But he came back again with the Washington Wizards. Yeah. You know, it's, re- it's fascinating, okay? Yeah. Because... I picture the – for some reason I had in my mind that he wore 45 with the Wizards. He didn't. He mm-hmm. wore 23, and it was the 45 little trial period with the Bulls. Correct. But I remember the Wizards as being like – not like Willie Mays kind of disaster, not like that, but just not being successful. Mm-hmm. Not being like, all right, Mike, why did you do that? And don't most people – wouldn't you think most people would say, Mike, why did you do that? You had all yeah. this bull stuff. Why, why'd you come back? Yeah. You, why'd you come back and wear the wizard? You kind of tarnished it a little right? bit. Yeah. Well, okay. So I thought about that, and I'm and I'm looking up some stats. Yes, uh, last night on this, man, his numbers after three years off, mm-hmm. after that '98 season, he comes back in '01 and '02 and '02 and '03. He averaged 23 points a game and 20 points a game. Yep. Now that's way down. The the numbers were down. Yeah. I mean, he's listen. He's a career thirty a game guy. Yeah. And even in the final two years, uh, it was twenty eight and twenty nine point six. In fact, his lowest was his. Uh, I have not even count. He didn't play that year because of the foot. So his lowest was back in ninety four ninety five when he had come off that first. Okay. Year, and, and what was that? Twenty six point nine. Okay. So he averages 22.9 and 20, which, by the way, is not bad. Now, yeah. that's pretty regular for Michael Jordan. But I was actually amazed at this. 5.7 and 6.1 rebounds over the two years. Well, that was in the neighborhood of the last, say, four years that he played. Uh, he had he had been in the five to six range. Mm-hmm. So rebounds-wise, he was fine. He actually upped his assist total. And it was 5.2 a game, which in those last four years prior when he had played, 5.3 was his, was his best. Uh, it did go down to 3.8 in, in the last year in terms of assists. And his turnovers were about the same. His shooting percentage was lower. 
especially the year coming back. Uh, and he's never really been – well, his three-point shooting percentage was really down. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess my point was I, was I was a little surprised. I thought the numbers would be so far skewed from the Michael Jordan we knew as the Bulls to the Michael Jordan with the Wizards. Here's the big difference. Hit me with it. Both years, which is kind of ironic, they went 37-45 and 45 with the <laughs> Wizards. They stunk. Yeah, they weren't good. They weren't good. Yeah. They, they, they really had some decent names on their team. Well, like, you know the names, yeah. but it, it didn't really but add up, what, right? What would have made it interesting was Jerry Stackhouse, okay? Because Jerry Stackhouse went to the Wizards, if I, if I remember correctly. He did. The second year he was there. And obviously he was a North Carolina guy, okay? So they had that in common. But Jerry Stackhouse couldn't stand playing with Michael Jordan. Jerry Sackhouse hated playing with Michael Jordan because he thought Michael Jordan was kind of past the prime of his career, and Stackhouse thought it was his team. So there was a little animosity built up. There wasn't a good relationship built up. Also, keep in mind when Jordan went to the Wizards to start things off with, he had a share of the company. Like he had a share of the franchise. I think he had ten percent of the Washington I think Wizards. You're right. Yeah. So he was responsible, I think, for all the roster decisions as well. And then also an interesting fact: he played for the Wizards when. Um, 9-11 happened, he donated his entire salary of that year to help out with, you know, the, the funding of Good call. You know, for, for the families yeah, for and everything. Foundation yeah. and, and uh, donations. So, I mean, he, he went through a lot in those short couple years in Washington. Think about this. Kwame Brown, by the way, who's obviously one of the big busts, yeah. uh, was on that team. He was a rookie his first year uh, when Jordan was there. Christian Leitner played a couple years with yeah. him. Tyron Lue. who ended up helping uh, LeBron, of course. So, uh, you know, and you had Brendan Hayward, who was Richard Hamilton was in year number two out of UConn, Mm -hmm. who had himself a pretty nice career, right? Uh, Interesting group. It's not a very good group. They weren't very good. He wasn't going to, at that time, he was 38, 39 years old, lead them to where they needed to go. Doug Collins was the coach, so that was the connection as well. Uh, It almost makes, you know, the stuff you just brought up is really interesting, the NBA players have so much power now. Mm-hmm. Like, don't you kind of feel like LeBron James did that in Cleveland anyway? Even if it's contract and say he owned 10% of the team? I mean, he owned the whole city, bro. Let's be honest here. <laughs> I mean, he, he basically the, did yeah. that. Well, and listen, when we talk about the Wizards real quick, and Kwame Brown, you brought up the name. And I think we talked about it off the show. I don't think I've ever mentioned it on the show. One of the greatest <clears throat> stories in basketball folklore of whether it did it happen or did it not happen is the story of Michael Jordan supposedly ruining, r- ruining Kwame Brown's career. And the story goes that when Kwame Brown got drafted, obviously he's the number one pick. Um, you know, he had all the hype around him. Everyone was excited. Jordan wasn't buying into him. Okay. Jordan at this time, I think was an executive, if I'm not mistaken. And he was kind of running the front office. Um, it would have been of the Grizzlies, right? Yeah. Correct. I think the the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he's running the Memphis Grizzlies. And supposedly what happened was Brown shows up, whether it's with the Wizards or Grizzlies, I can't remember, but Brown shows up the first day. MJ comes down rocking this Gucci suit and says, oh, so you're supposed to be the number one pick. And Brown's like, yeah, that's me. And Jordan goes, well, prove it to me. Let's play right now. And obviously Brown's like, dude, I'm not going to play. You were in a suit and dress shoes. Like, I'm not going to play you one on one. What are you talking about? And Jordan says, no, F that. We're playing right now. So they go back and forth, and supposedly the way the story goes down is Jordan beat him to the point where Kwame Brown actually cried. 
And I guess supposedly after that, it ruined his... Cause imagine playing a game of one-on-one with a guy wearing Gucci shoes and a suit, <laughs> and, he, and he absolutely demolishes you, okay? And supposedly what happened after that was Kwame Brown lost all his confidence, and he never became the player that he was supposed to be because of that one day when Jordan tried to test him, and it didn't work out. That once again, in Washington, by the way. In Washington, yeah, so, okay, so, so. in Washington. But once again, just a rumor, though. It has it's never been confirmed. Here's the thing about Kwame Brown. But you know, he's, uh, he's technically kind of a local guy for us in our viewing area mm-hmm. who's played at Clinton academy yeah um right up across the border and i didn't realize he played for so long mm-hmm. like kwame brown i think i mean he goes down as like this bust guy he played for the wizards for those until 05 the lakers for a few years and then the grizzlies pistons bobcats warriors in 76 he played all the way until 2013 yeah did not realize. God, did I lose Quiet, touch with though. the NBA for a while? <laughs> like, well, I, was, yeah. I mean, it was like open and shut for me. It was like Kwame Brown. I know. I mean, and now since I've been in Jacksonville, you kind of hear the Kwame Brown stories a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, he was supposed to play at Florida, mm-hmm. and so or could have played at Florida, and I just thought it was kind of like bust and see you later. Mm-hmm. Ended up hanging around the league for twelve years, sure, thirteen years uh, in the NBA. But you know how it goes, though. When, when, when you're the number one overall pick, you have to be an all star every single year, or they're going to call you a bust. Just Absolutely. the way the NBA works. It's really wild in the NBA because if you're in that lottery, there's so much pressure on you to perform. The funny thing is, though, if you get picked after the lottery, it's like okay if you're not this great player. Yeah, you're just going to be a role. You know, player. if you're like anywhere between eleven and, and like sixty, whatever of the draft, mm-hmm. it's like well, we hope you're good. Sure. And it's kind of like that. I, I know there's more to it. I just very I simplified it. Mm-hmm. But the amount of pressure on those top five guys, top three guys, yeah. really top ten guys, I think, yeah. compared to the rest of that draft class, is way different than other well, sports. Well, let's be honest. If you watch the NBA draft here and your team's picking twenty twenty one, no one's like, oh, we I can't believe we got him. Yeah, we're gonna no. It's like unless your team's picking top three, top five, top eight, yeah. it's like, yeah, all right, cool. I, I guess we'll see. You know, like no one gets excited about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Uh, re- we, we've talked about this. Is there any doubt that if the, oh, I said poor Lam- Lance Armstrong because they're rolling out the 30 for 30 for Lance? Hey. <laughs> I mean, that's like, let me ask you this. That's Brett. like, look, pick the model you dated yeah. and then see and, and break up in the next girl you date. I and, mean, and that's I, like pretty tough one. <laughs> And I was expecting you to come in here with a bunch of energy saying Lance Armstrong can't wait. It's gonna be a, uh, it's gonna be a great sneak behind the curtain to see who Lance Armstrong is. Don't get me wrong, okay? Lance Armstrong, in terms of beating cancer, coming back, it's an awesome story, man. Anybody can draw inspiration from that. Not knocking the guy for what he did. But Brent, I ask you right now. Well, how much are you gonna get into the cheating scandal? It could be well, really yeah. interesting for me. But I ask you right now. You obviously know who Lance Armstrong is. Do you know who won the Tour de France last year? <laughs> no. Can you name me one other bike rider ever that has competed in the Tour de France? Yeah, Greg LeMond. One, one more. <laughs> I was not uh, expecting that answer. Uh, yeah, Greg LeMond. Yeah, but, 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 but you see where I'm going. Uh, no, here. you're right. I mean, okay. I, but Lance Armstrong now, that also magnifies the story because you're right. Not many people can name those guys. Yeah. Especially so, American cyclists. Yeah. And this guy, everybody knew. But I just think nobody cares, and and this is well, this they my, care about yeah. Well, listen to the degree of the that's my point. Of it's this, it's right? bike racing, man. The, the rebound, and I respect for it. The but, rebound girlfriend here for ESPN is not going to be a big hit. No, no, no. Okay? Just just throw Bruce Lee out there and see what well, happens. I actually think they. I this is the way TV works, man. I mean, mm-hmm. they probably. I don't know which way they said this was going to unveil. That they had said that they had Bruce Lee. 
Armstrong and the McGuire Sosa yeah. coming up this summer. They didn't, I don't think they said what order it is. Mm. And so I think they probably said this thing has been such a success. We got to take like the worst one of the three. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah, yeah. And put it next so we're not trying to outdo it. Well, because you can't. Because you're not going You to. can't. Like, I, I wonder if those conversations took place. Yeah. Now, nobody, listen, I bet the thing's fantastic. ESPN does fantastic work. Yeah. I don't think anybody said it's the worst one. I just think what you just said is right. Which one will have the less appeal, mm-hmm. you know, to people? Because the bottom line is, whatever you watch after the Jordan thing, it's going to take a little while to get something that even resonates halfway. Of course. To the way the last dance. Of did. course. And listen, like in terms of nostalgia, like yeah, I can go to, you know, uh, I can co-sign and say the Sammy Sosa Mark McGuire thing. That could be a good one. I'll probably check it out a little bit. Like that you know? would be a really and good I'll one. And I'll be honest, I want to see what Sammy Sosa's been up to, okay? Because the guy, I mean, doesn't look, you know, he looks a little out there. So I'm curious to just hear the, the current interviews of Sammy Sosa. But with like Lance Armstrong, like yeah, I remember Lance Armstrong from my childhood. I remember the Live Strong bands, all that. But I'll be honest with you, man, I, I don't care. Okay, I mean, and this is just me talking here. But like, I get it. You cheated. Everybody else cheated. Uh, you're probably the best athlete to ever do it. You cheat, cheat, cheat. Yeah, I get it, man. I'm sure you feel bad about it. Maybe you don't. There was the whole thing where you said, you know, I, I swear in my life that I didn't cheat, and then you did. Like, okay, like, who I didn't do that. Yeah, I get it, but. <laughs> I don't need a whatever a, a three or four part series explaining it. Like I pretty much get the story already. But once again, just my opinion. Was Lance Armstrong married to or girlfriend? What's the oh, singer? What's her name? Wanna soak up the sun? Yeah. Uh, what is her name? Gonna tell everyone. Soon. Gosh, how can I not have this? Oh uh, man. I almost said Mandy Moore. That's not, oh Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow. Yes. Very let's good. go. Let's Cheryl go. Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow. Very good. Very what? I like Cheryl. Oh, Crow. oh I got you. Yeah, yeah. yeah she did. No, she know? seems cool. I don't know. She seems like a cool girl to hang out with. So like were they married? I, I knew they were. Yeah, I think they were married. Yeah. Okay. Cheryl Crow as a kid seemed like the coolest mom ever to me because she was older. You know, so yeah. like when I was growing up, she just seemed cool, man. Soak up the sun. Hang out. <laughs> yeah, so you know I what I'm think, saying? I think Cheryl Crow had a cool factor to her. Got those 45 on so I can rock on. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Do you basically calling Cheryl Crow a milf? No, 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 no. I'm just saying, for the most part, moms out there when this song would come on would probably have a pina colada in one hand and probably have their husbands watching football in the other hand just thinking like, what am I doing with my life? But you know what? Cheryl Crow's on, so it's all good. Let me have no, another drink. Go. Let me have another little drinky drinky. Very good. Yeah. Uh, all right. So what, one last one. Do we agree that like Tiger Woods is is the next... You don't have to agree. I hope you don't. But I, to be honest, listen, the greatness of this, and I'll say, I said it a couple weeks ago, yeah. the greatness of this thing mm-hmm. was one, you had an iconic player. Correct. Right? And two, iconic team. Iconic team, iconic player. I mean, Dennis Rodman, yeah, yeah, okay. You had all that, but you had a vulnerable iconic player. A guy that should, it might have been a little manufactured here or there because he had his hands on it, whatever. Mm-hmm. We saw him laugh. Mm-hmm. We saw him make fun of people. Cried. We saw him call people out. Cried. We saw him cry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw a not great time period yep. of Michael Jordan we as saw, a teammate. We saw Carmen Electra. We saw, we saw obviously the passing of his dad in there. Yeah. So there's that emotion. Yep. But you have to be vulnerable enough to talk about it. It took Michael Jordan almost 20 years. Well, really 20 years to be willing to do it. Yeah. Tiger Woods to me has all those kind of characteristics that we just saw with Michael Jordan. Now, it's mm-hmm. not a team sport. 
But we could get what's in, what's going to be interesting. In the Michael Jordan one is not how he talks about others; it's how others will talk about him and yeah. say, "I hated that guy." Like they're not willing to do that right now. Mm-hmm. But like this guy was a jerk. He was a jerk here. He was a jerk here. You know. And then on the other side, you let that time pass, and now you can say, "Oh boy, he's really changed, and yeah. this is cool, and he did this, and you know, whatever it might be." But I honestly think the only thing to get close to this. The way they did it about this kind of icon, I, I think Tiger Woods, but I think it has to oh, wait for about 15 years. See, I, I disagree with that. Tiger Woods, I think, would be good, though, because, okay, I'll be honest with you. I hear Tiger Woods what I think of golf. Ugh, golf for what? A 10-part series? Come on. What moment is there? Hitting off the tee box. Oh, you tripped it in. But then you think about the effect that he had on pop culture, all right? And then the, the fact that he, the, the reach that he had in inner cities, the reach that he had in country, I mean, the guy was everywhere. Okay, so he transcended the sport of golf. So I'm with you here to say Tiger Woods is definitely going to be one that I'll I'll tune in for for sure, and, and I'll go with an open mind. But when you talk about other guys that could possibly, um, you know, pull this off with, with their star power, two come to mind. Mike Tyson, I think, would be. I mean, think, think, think about the trials and tribulations of Mike Tyson. Yeah, good there, call. All that he's been through, like. That would make a pretty good documentary. If you could get a raw Mike, which usually is a raw Mike Tyson. Exactly, but I mean that's what makes it so great. And the other one, which may not pack as much punch, no pun intended, just because you know he's not with us anymore. But Muhammad Ali, I think, would be a great one, just because he really changed the sport of boxing um, a lot of ways. Yeah, I think so too. I think uh, here's the problem with those two guys, in, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Muhammad Ali, is there really a curtain to pull back? Hmm. He did. He let it. He let mm-hmm. us in. He, mm-hmm. We we think at least. Again, I mean, yeah. we might have thought we knew more about Jordan until this. Of course. But in every episode of the Jordan one, there was like, I, I didn't know that, or I didn't remember. Oh, oh we felt that way. Yeah, you know, there yeah. was kind of those moments True. in every one. And I would say the same kind of about Mike Tyson. Don't we kind of already know Mike Tyson was a little crazy and wild, and we'd believe anything? Like, what's he going to say that we'd be like? What? He did what? You'd almost Whoa. be like, bro, well, we believe it. Brent, it's Mike Tyson. No, we believe it, but I think it's to the standpoint of where it's like, we believe it, but we still can't believe it. You know, like, dude, the stories yeah, that might Mike, be that far out. The, like, the, 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 the stories that <laughs> Mike gonna, Tyson probably has on the docket ready to go. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. It's a here, little man. last dance combined with Tiger King. Yeah, I mean, like exactly, like, like exactly. That's a great. That's a great call. But you're absolutely right, Tiger Woods, though, right? Because even with Michael Jordan, when I grew up with Michael Jordan. I didn't really know who Michael Jordan was as a person. And then you know, time went by. I grew up, and what did I have to go off of? I had that that the Hall of Fame speech to go off of, of Michael Jordan, the, the behind the curtain, his speech, dude. It wasn't that good. It was just like, really? This is going to be, this is your Hall of Fame speech. You're Michael Jordan. Probably the best to ever do it. This is your Hall of Fame speech. And I remember watching, just thinking like, okay, well, I guess we're done here. But then the last dance comes out and we see these layers of Michael Jordan. We see the behind the scenes and it painted a new picture um, in terms of who he was. With Tiger Woods, Brent, and you've said it many times in the show, we haven't seen Tiger Woods really at all. Okay, like we, we, we've seen Tiger Woods, obviously, in the police reports and we've seen Tiger Woods, you know, on TMZ. Sometimes we see Tiger Woods be successful on the golf course, but off the golf course, what his peers really think about him. Sometimes they'll, they'll drop a hint here, drop a hint here. But we don't really know who Tiger Woods, at least I don't. Um, the casual golf fan knows who Tiger Woods is off the course. Like, I don't know anything. So to prove your point. I would be intrigued. I would be excited for the Tiger Woods ESPN 30 for 30 documentary. Well, just think about it, man. We've seen a little bit of Tiger Woods show some vulnerability as of late. Mm. 
for the Tiger Woods that we knew for however many years, never once mm-hmm. showed a, never a hint of vulnerability. Wouldn't let anybody in. Nobody. So, I mean, heck, he could stun us with the, the latest incident of what exactly happened when he was driving, what he was taking, why he was taking them. Mm-hmm. You know, is what he said, is that the whole everything already out there or is there more to it to really the golf club incident? Yeah. You know, I mean, have we really do we know all the details that would he share all that again? I'm talking 15 years down the road. And, and by the way, I bet he has some unbelievable stories about the way people looked at him in the locker room uh, to breaking the I mean, not breaking, but being a an African-American golfer at Augusta to other places. A lot of I don't know if we'll ever get this kind of thing from Michael Jordan, to be honest. I'd like to think we would. I'm sorry, from uh, uh, Tiger, Woods. Tiger Woods. I'd like to think we would, but I'm not sure we will. Even the work ethic. You know, like, th- there's a reason why he's probably the best golfer to ever do it. And I have no idea what that guy put in. Like, at least with Jordan, you saw the commercials. Like, you knew, like, Jordan was in the gym doing his thing. Yeah. Obviously, Tiger Woods on the golf course doing his thing as well. But give us a peek just behind the mindset of a, a, a of an absolute killer like Tiger Woods, man. Just give me a peek behind the guy that is Tiger Woods and what made him so successful, please. Yeah, I think it's up until now, everybody else has guessed. But, again, I still – I'm not ready for it. If I – I don't want to see it right now. Mm-hmm. I want to see it in like 15 years mm-hmm. when he's willing to be vulnerable. He's not willing to get there right now. He's still competing. Mm-hmm. Again, I always say the same. I, I would like to someday see a Tim Tebow interview where there's a bunch of vulnerability and more of what exactly happened if willing to share. Guys like that, though, Tiger, Tebow, those kind of stories, it might be what happened in the locker room stays in the locker room stuff. Jordan was willing to go to a place yeah. that many athletes are not willing to go to, mm-hmm. and that's what made this so good is he called people out. He mm-hmm. said stuff about whether it was having fun with Burrell yeah. or whether it's Horace Grant. I, I don't see Tebow doing that. That's what I mean. You yeah. might never get it, mm-hmm. but you're definitely not getting it now. Yeah. You need it down the road, mm-hmm. and Jordan at this age was, was willing to do it, yep. and uh, we got to enjoy that. You, All right. you think we ever see a Larry Bird snooze fest or not? <laughs> Probably not, huh? Probably not. It's all right, though. I don't know, but I hope Cheryl Crow has a song in it. Uh, When we come back, minorities in coaching. And that topic comes up over the weekend and a little bit late last week uh, on a day or or, or in a time period where uh, Pioneer passes away in the broadcasting world. We'll talk about both topics when we come back on ESPN 690 to wrap up a Monday. What's up, everybody? It is Saturday, the last day of fight week. We did three in a row out here in Florida. I have to call out some people. Governor DeSantis, absolute stud. Thank you for everything you've done for us uh, and and letting us come here to to the great state of Florida. Mayor Curry, who is an awesome guy. Um, Thank you for everything that you've done for us. Um, All you you idiots that are going to go, oh, you're getting paid for this. I don't get paid to post anything. I post people that are cool, people that are real. And uh, when we go into these, uh, you know, these different cities, we meet so many cool people. Meanwhile, you can pay me to post stuff if you want. <laughs> Send the checks. I'll give you my Venmo account. Brent Br- Br- Martino has no shame, man. You got no shame making that money. Be sure to like and subscribe our podcast. That is Dana White, president yeah. of the UFC, after three cards here in Jacksonville, and everything went well. They'll be back. Uh, next stop, though, looks like Las Vegas and probably Fight Island in the summer, right, uh, for UFC. Brett Martin, Austin Lane, Coos back on a Monday. Hope everybody's doing well and uh, enjoying uh, another day here in the River City. Another beautiful one. The weather continues to be pretty darn good. Got a little hot over the weekend, but that's okay. Have some responses uh, from the show. 
Josh says, uh, keep, uh, this is related to Minshew, keep him in the pocket or let him create. Well, I'm hopeful he has a pocket to actually work with. In either case, I think you can definitely include planned bootlegs to take advantage of his accuracy, even firing off platform. Doesn't all have to be improvised. Steve says, let him run around against the Jets and Broncos. He dissected them easily using his feet. Uh, Doug says, hey, I'm just one guy, but I'd be up for a regular B report two or three days a week. I like it, man. <laughs> Dude, my, like, as soon as hey. I knew the story dropped, my mom hit me up. Did you see this in Florida? It's in your neck of the woods. Check out this blue bee. So, by the I've way, some research. What's up? We're going to get Busy Bee on board once they get around the air. Oh, oh. How, how easy is this? I mean, I think you need to go hey, to work on that. Forget about the I don't even care about the money. I mean, I care about the money, let's be honest. But, uh, dude, the food there, anyway, like those, yeah. Say no more, Brent. Say no more. Submarine Mike, uh, we want to give uh, our best to your wife, Cheryl. Had her knee replaced last Thursday and still watching the show. You're probably making her watch and listen to the show, but that's okay. Watching and listening on uh, YouTube. Yep. So uh, thanks, Submarine Mike, for uh, making the habit. Uh, in the afternoons from 3 p.m. until 6 p.m. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 and uh, give our best to Cheryl. Hopefully it's a uh, get well soon with the knee. She'll be up and around hopefully shortly uh, with that recovery. By the way, you can listen to us on 10 different platforms. You can watch on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Mm. ESPN 690 in your car. ESPN 690.com. The TuneIn app. iHeartRadio app. Come on. Am I supposed to mention that one? I don't know if I am, but he can get us there. Uh, either way, we're all over the place. Uh, Ten different platforms. Right. Ask Alexa. Yep. As well, just ESPN 690. Mm-hmm. All right, a couple things I want to get to real quick. My mom called during the show uh, about an hour and a half ago. She said, hey, I, I've been listening, but I missed the first part of the show. Did you mention Phyllis George? And I said, no, Mom. Yep. I did not. Phyllis George, a trailblazer, pioneer in sports broadcasting for women. And it passed away over the weekend at the age of 70. Very interesting life. She's Miss America and then became a football regular on the NFL today. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting is the NFL today. So this is why I this was not my heyday. I was born in 77. But the NFL today for me was my favorite show growing up as a kid. You know, before the ESPN pregame shows mm-hmm. and all of them. Right. Fox wasn't even at, born at that time. Like, that's what I fell in love with Bob Costas. Uh, I think he was on it. He, he might have been NFL Today or whatever one it was. It was. Uh, I, I get him mixed up. But mm-hmm. that's where I was watching Bob Costas and Sean McDonough. And they had Jimmy the Greek back then. You know, all those. Well, Phyllis George was prior to that with Brent Musburger, mm-hmm. Irv Cross. And she crossed over from Miss America to talking football yeah. as a woman in the mid to late 70s. So truly a pioneer and a trailblazer uh, in that respect. If Just think about it right now, okay? I'm not saying without Phyllis George there wouldn't be, but she paved the way for what we today, we don't even blink an eye at a woman reporter, right? A sports broadcaster <laughs> no, talking close. football. I, I don't, uh, maybe some people still do, but I, I, don't, I don't think that's... I don't think that's the norm. I think yeah. it's like, oh, okay, yeah. you know, just kind of the, it, it's a normal thing. And that's really taken off, I would say, maybe in the last 10 or 15, probably 15 to 20 years. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that. It was still more sprinkled in. It was kind of a novelty. And then, boom, uh, women sports broadcasters, uh, part of the norm, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, from Doris Burke, who 
unbelievable, right? Yeah. I mean, so well-respected in NBA circles. Jessica Mendoza, Sunday Night Baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about Erin Andrews and, and the path that she She's, helped create. Yeah, she was definitely a trailblazer. Uh, as well. Right. So, I mean, you could go out Hannah Storm. Yeah. A bunch of, and Hannah Storm's been doing it for a very long time as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably more so following in the footsteps of a Phyllis George. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robin Roberts as well, who now has kind of transferred over to the Good Morning America mm-hmm. and, and more the news side of things or entertainment Sage side. Sage Steele still doing her thing? Uh, that's a good call. I don't, I don't know if she is, but. <laughs> you know who had the best Sage Steele impression? No. <laughs> Mercedes Lewis. Oh, really? To, Sage Steele, ES. PN. Like the way you pronounce it, man, he was right on the money. So anyway, Phyllis George, think Phyllis George. Again, not when I was uh, kind of in my heyday of viewing, mm-hmm. and uh, I was just uh, looking up some more information on Phyllis George. Ended up marrying the owner of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah. Served as the first lady of a Kentucky when she was married to the owner of Kentucky Fried Chicken, who later became the governor. Yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a life. Huh? Oh, man. What a resume. That's quite the resume, man. <laughs> what a resume. That's a life well lived right there. It uh, certainly is. So uh, the late Phyllis George. That gets us from who would have thought in the 70s that women in sports broadcasting would be so prevalent and just normal. Mm-hmm. So when do we get to the stage where a black head coach or a black GM in the NFL is just normal? Yeah. Well, I would say if, if a black coach gets hired in the nfl i don't think anybody says oh that's different i don't think we're there i don't think it's uh, that i think we can make an right? argument right now when the best coaches in the nfl is black and mike, mike tomlin. tomlin yeah but that's my point so i, no, I no don't think it's like, there oh, yeah but are there enough minorities mm-hmm. in the nfl in front offices on the sidelines being the head man and i would say the answer to that is no and has been the rooney rule has been in effect where uh coaches in the coaching search you hire, uh, you interview a minority, so at least a minority gets interview experience. Yeah. A couple more thoughts on this. You take four coaches right now that are minorities. Ron Rivera has been coaching a long time in the NFL. Mike Tomlin coaching a long time in the NFL. Anthony Lynn got his chance with the LA Chargers and mixed results so far. I think it's an important year for Anthony Lynn. Uh, and Brian Flores looks like he's off to a decent start with Miami. They're rebuilding it. We'll see how he does. Yeah. And by the way, you could say that about four white coaches in the NFL, too. The problem is you could say it about 28 of the coaches because they're white (laughs) in the NFL, in a white man business, if you will. Correct. Uh, Because the billionaire owners outside of Shad Khan Mm -hmm. are all white. Yeah. I thought about this. My biggest hang-up on this story is I still believe winning is so important that are you intentionally going to not hire a minority to not hire a minority, even if you think they're the best candidate to allow you to win. And I think the answer to that is no. But you brought up the other part of it, and that is kind of the cronyism that takes place. Who knows who? Who's buddies with who? Mm-hmm. Hiring your friends instead of the best coaches. And isn't that probably the, the best explanation of kind of what goes on in the NFL? It's not necessarily, now we don't think the black coach can get it done. Mm-hmm. Well, the black coach just might not be buddies with the white coach that has been in the league now for 20 years. Is it more of that, or do you put it more on ownership for not taking a chance on the minority coach? It falls on a, on a few things, okay? And you said it yourself, Brent. The NFL is supposed to be all about winning, and it's supposed to be about bringing that Lombardi trophy to your city. And that should be the only thing, all right? Wins and losses at the end of the day. Black and white, simple as that. But it's not, man. 
the NFL is a walking contradiction when it comes to winning and losing in terms of who they hire as coaches and who they hire in the front office. Okay. I've had this conversation with a bunch of D1 coaches, some personal friends that I've, you know, that are from my hometown and some other guys I just randomly come across. Cause there was one time where I thought, you know what? Coaching might not be a bad thing for me. Maybe I'll look into it a little more. But the more I talk to collegiate coaches, the more it's apparently obvious. It doesn't matter how much time, how much effort, how much sweat you put into your craft to master your craft, right? Because usually when you grow up as a kid, you play sports. If you put the time and effort and you master your craft, what happens? Eh, You go to college, get a scholarship, and who knows? Maybe you go to the pros. It happens a lot in business. But in terms of coaching, what matters the most, it's not the time and effort. It's not your philosophies of what you believe in, and sometimes it's not even about like who you're groomed by. It's about who you know. Who you know is the most important part about coaching. Not your philosophies, not your ability to relate to the players. No, it's who you know. And it is such a contradiction, and I think it's one of the things that's wrong with the NFL and really wrong with football in general, I think, um, even at the collegiate level. It's just that's the fact. But now, does it fall on the owners? Maybe, but let's be honest. The owners aren't really necessarily the most football-savvy people. They hire people to be savvy. Well, the people that you put in charge, whether it's the GMs, whether it's the executives, whether it's the head coaches, they all come from the same cloth. And they all come from this, the same school of thought where it's like, well, I know this guy, I know this guy, so we're going to bring him on. I can go tomorrow and have this revolutionary new defense that could change the world, Brent. And, and I could portray that on a slideshow. I could say this is why it's going to work. I guarantee it. But you know what? Since I don't know player or coach number A and he doesn't know coach number B, I have a disadvantage because of that. And that's what's so frustrating in terms of the NFL and this Rooney rule. Because you're giving incentive to teams who take, quote-unquote, a chance, let's just say, on a black coach, on a black front office player. And to me, it's the most embarrassing thing the NFL's done all season. Do you know why? Because this is like a child thing. Sometimes when I go out to dinner with my wife and my kid comes with, Ronan, you know, he's five years old, if he acts right, we'll maybe give him a toy. If he acts right, maybe I'll give him, hey, there's five bucks, let's go buy some candy. Right? Because there's that incentive there where it's like, all right, well, you know, he's a good boy. I get it. You're in a rough situation here. We're asking you to be good at the table for an hour. But, you know, he did it. Here's your toy. Here's your piece of candy, whatever it is. It's the same thing in the NFL they're doing right now. They're literally saying, here, you guys can have extra draft picks. You guys can open the draft if you hire a black coach, if you hire a minority coach. It's idiotic, man. It's not something you should stand behind. And you wonder why the NBA, in terms of optics maybe, in terms of you know being on the forefront of leading a revolution, is kicking the NFL's ass right now. It's because of decisions like this. I don't understand. I get the – listen, if I got into this great big job or whatever and I had a chance to bring my best friend along you know, that I grew up with and he has some knowledge of and he's in the sure. same business, yeah, I'd lean that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get it. Uh, and I'm familiar with that. I trust. Trust is a big thing. So I can't. I don't think you can dismiss that. Mm. But what I don't understand about the minorities in the front offices and in coaching is why there are not more assistant coaches that have come up through that pipeline. So then they do know them, mm-hmm. you know, by now. More offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, QB coaches, whatever it might be. I just don't. That's where the pool is. Like guys don't get jobs after being a quality 
controls coach. Mm-hmm. They get jobs as being quality controls coach, assistant defensive line coach, defensive line coach, defensive coordinator. That's how the progress goes. And I know there are only so many of them, but I'm just a little surprised there haven't been more minorities in those other jobs that have now surfaced, mm-hmm. you know. But we might be on the cusp of it. This is why I think it's a little odd timing on the Rooney Rule. This is why it's reactionary to what people saw in the draft. Next year, there's a real chance. And again, I, I don't know if we should be celebrating this or applauding this. Maybe it should have already happened. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying there's a real chance that the next three hires in the NFL will be minorities. Eric Bieniemy, yep. Byron Leftwich, if he has maybe Tom Brady makes him look real good or he helps him look real good, make real good, right, and have a big year. And Robert Sala yep. out in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Could be the next three. Now, listen, there's the Josh McDaniels of the world and everybody else, too, that, that have always been kind of rumored. But there's a possibility if these other minority coaches hold their jobs, don't get fired mm-hmm. over poor performance, that you could now have seven of the 32 next season. Mm-hmm. Should be 20. That's at least getting to a, a more sensible, I think, mm-hmm. level of whether where. Listen, I, I don't know what the percentage of black players are in the NFL, but it's a high percentage. High percentage of minority players, uh, I would think the coaches would sooner or later be in that same grasp. Yeah. You know, and it hasn't been. And mm-hmm. that's why they've tried to come up with these things. This one I agree is dumb. I think it's a slap in the face to minorities. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. I don't think this is the way. Just go hire the best man for the damn job. Thank you very much. That's it. Yeah. That's what we all should be doing. Yeah. At every job. Mm hmm. I understand there's politics and, and who you know and, and played, but the more they can get rid of that. In the NFL, I think the better and just go get the best man. I've never liked the recycled coaches theory, college football or NFL. And when you recycle, guess who you're recycling? White coaches. Mm-hmm. So go get some new blood. Yep. Minority, white, black, new blood. Uh, and I think maybe we're starting to see that a little bit in the NFL. From Flores to maybe a Robert Sala to enemy, maybe we get a little bit that in the right direction. We'll talk nice more about play. it as the week goes along. Uh, we'll see you on TV tonight, CBS 47 and Fox 30. Thanks for hanging with us on a Monday on ESPN 690. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.